Here we are, the Great Commission. I'm going to, let me do it this way. Corey Ten Boom, if you've never heard of her and her family, was a Dutch family prior to, during, and during World War II. The Spirit of God in them led them to be a part of helping rescue Jews from Nazi regime. And so they had a hiding place. If you've read her book or you can get her books, she has several. But The hiding place is the primary one. If you've never watched interviews with her, I would suggest you do so. Because one of the reasons I think we're not doing this is because we don't really realize the seriousness of not doing it. So this amplifies it. So they're rescuing the Jews, and these are believers there in, um, in Holland. As time progresses, it was her father who was in his 80s, her sister, her brother, other relatives that were helping with this. And they were all betrayed by someone they were helping And they were all arrested and imprisoned in the concentration camps of the Nazi regime. There's a lot to be said about that. But one story that took place prior to them being arrested is that they received word one day that there was a Jewish orphanage in their town And the Nazis had decided that they would go and kill all the babies, which were a hundred in that particular orphanage. And by then, they had developed such a network of people to help them. They were actually able to go to the orphanage, get 100 babies out of the orphanage, and then distribute 100 babies to families who would take them and raise them, and they did that in a day. One of the young men involved in that, his name was Pete, came back and realized what had happened. He said, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm not going back to college when the war is over. I'm going to spend my life helping people because this is the greatest thing ever. Corey Ten Boom said, no, Pete, it's not. This is wonderful, and we celebrate it. But the greatest thing ever is when you help someone come to the personal knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you rescue not just their body, but their soul. So now they're in prison, and there's a lot of stories. I'm just using this one. Separate the men, the women. And somehow, and I don't know how they were able to get this, but they got a letter from Pete, who is in a male concentration camp. And the letter says this. I have been sentenced to death. I have one week, and they will take my life. But I want you to know, I am having the greatest joy telling all my fellow prisoners 
about Jesus Christ, my Jesus, who has saved me. And I'm giving my life in this week that I have to live to tell as many people as I can how to come to know Jesus Christ. Now you could say, well, if I was in Pete's situation, I'd do the same thing. The reality is we are. Because we don't know those in our realm, our world, and when they're going to die. The message today is about the Holy Spirit and his part in our life. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things and baptizing them. And let me give you this scripture. How many of you really know what baptism is? I mean, we do it here, and and I'm telling you, the way we do it, what a blessing to have parents baptize their children or those who've led someone to Christ to baptize them. God, to me, it's just one of the sweetest things that God ever gave us that we could do as a church family. But the idea that is framed up here is the picture. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 6. That's not one of your scriptures, but I want to give it to you. What shall we say then? Are we not to continue in sin that grace might increase? Or as he says, if, if, we get, if we sin more, we get more grace. So let's just go do more sin. Doesn't that make sense? No. The next verse says, may it never be. That's not how this works. The grace is the grace and the mercy of God, but you don't do it so you can get more grace. You get the grace to enable you not to do the things that are contrary to the word and will of God. Or do you not know that all of us, listen to this, all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, having been baptized into his death. See up there, when folks come into the water, we bury them. And then they're raised to walk in newness of life. And see, then you come out the other side, as it were, and you're walking now in new life that is in a personal relationship with holy God through his son, Jesus Christ, now empowered and enabled by the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And that's how this life is to be lived. Somewhere along the way, somehow we seem to have missed that. In Romans chapter 8, It says, for all of those being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So here, let me, and, and remember, this is not gender bias. When it says sons, it means child of God. So let me be very careful here and very clear about this. If you are a child of God, then you are being led by the Spirit of God. Is that clear? What does that mean? Corrie ten Boone and her family willing to give their lives. In fact, all of her family except her died in those camps. Led by the Spirit means that we, we're in this relationship with him so that we hear as he speaks to us 
He's going to speak through the Word of God. He will speak through other people. And here is where I think sometimes God demonstrates his um, sense of humor. Because a lot of times when he's speaking to us through other people, he uses the ones we don't like. And he'll speak to us through circumstances. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Remember, before Christ, we're living in this fear of death and all the things that can happen to us in life. But we have moved from that now into this relationship. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, he's my daddy. He's my daddy. And because he is my daddy, I'm going to do life in a different way. Say, wait a minute, let's go back to the Boone, the Tim Boone family. All of them gave their life to Christ. All of them agreed to be a part of rescuing Jews from the Nazis. And all of them but one died in concentration camps. You're thinking, maybe I don't want to sign up for that. But back to what Corey Timboom said to Pete. The greatest thing you can do is help someone else realize their need for Christ and share the word so they can be rescued for all of eternity. That's how this is supposed to be. <clears throat> so how does it work out in our lives every day? Well, we'll do it backwards. Circumstances. Anybody in here ever been dealt with by God through circumstances? dozen or so let me just pray for you right now for God to give you some circumstances that, that'd be, no, just kidding only kidding <clears throat> Sheila and I were talking about this and I was trying to think of recent things fairly recent and like I, I told Sheila and, and please don't misunderstand this because this is not braggadocious this is just I've been doing this for a long time and so the leadership of the Holy Spirit is now a normal part of my life and who I am. I do not get it 100%. So be, be clear on that. But it's just part of my life. And so there are times when he's leading and directing and it's just through nudges. And, and he, he's just, he doesn't have to scream and holler at me anymore. That was early on. But a few years ago, for those who remember, I was in a really bad car wreck, and my neck was broken. And I'm in the ambulance. I'm strapped down to the board. I didn't know my neck was broken. I just knew that I hurt a lot. Broken rib, broken sternum. I'm broken sternum, not rib. Um, messed up shoulder. So I'm laying there, strapped down in the ambulance, praying. And it just came over me. God's up to something here. So I, I asked the question, God, what you up to? Now, again, I don't know my diagnosis. You know, it's just the EMT strapping me down saying, hey, we got to get this guy to the hospital. He said, I want you to show people how to handle infirmity. 
Again, this sounds a little braggadocious. It's not. I'm just telling you, this is how God works when we let him work. Let him be God. Let the Holy Spirit have his place. So I go to the hospital. <clears throat> they x-ray me. They, that's when I find out my neck is broken. Put me in a collar and all this stuff. And then have to go to the neurosurgeon. And over the next two months, three months, whatever it was, I can't remember now. You guys remember, I was up here, you know, with my Aspen collar on, my chin pushed up. But during that time, I want to tell you, it was revelation from God. I had to miss a few days of work, which is not typical for me, but I did. But I would have people come by the house, and I'd sit on the patio and do counseling and ministry. Or Sheila would bring me here and drop me off. And I'd do counseling and ministry, and whoever I was counseling and ministering, I'd say, oh, by the way, don't leave. I need a ride home. I can't drive. <laughs> you were hoping that it turned out to be a good session. Otherwise, you know, I'm in another wreck on the way home. And so... When we talk about being led by the Spirit of God and through His Word and through the nudges and the things that He does in us, it doesn't mean that everything in our life is just going to turn out rosy and wonderful. My neck hurt. My chest hurt. My shoulder hurt. But He was still my daddy. And He still is today. And I praise Him for it. And I used the illustration last week about my grandson. When he was a little bitty guy, he was like three years old. And he was always so respectful. But sometimes with his aunt and uncle, and he was that little bitty guy, and they were trying to get him to do something he didn't want to do, or try to stop him from doing something he didn't want to stop, he had that phrase. Well, you ain't the boss of me. And I made the point last week that one of the problems with us is when the Holy Spirit is leading us, trying to get us to move into something that we're not wanting to do or stop something we're not wanting to stop. And whether we say it out loud like he did or not, we're saying... You ain't the boss of me. And the scripture that we read last week explained that when we do that, we grieve and quench the spirit of God who lives in us. And I'm telling you before God, one of the worst things any of us can do is grieve and quench the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Because so often... In relationships, I'm thinking not too far back, I was doing counseling. Not, it wasn't a heavy counseling, but a young lady. And she was trying to make a decision. And here's what she said when I explained to her the biblical principles around what she was working on. And she said, well, can I just follow my heart? I said, well, the problem is, the way your heart is leading you is contrary to the word of God. So the answer is no. It's no. 
Paul goes on. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Now again, God's economy and God's process is so different from ours because most of us, when we think about being obedient, we think about, oh, we just, I'm going to get my reward. It's going to just work out perfectly. It's going to be so wonderfully, wonderfully done. And, and, and so I, folks, as we, as we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, and he takes us through those things, again, back to the Boone family, Boone, 10 Boone family, as far as our world is concerned, it may not turn out like, oh, that was a really happy ending, but so you will know, Corey Timboon, her sister Betsy, Betsy received a vision from God while they were still in prison for what was to be done when they were out of prison. And then Betsy died. And Corey Timboon, only, <clears throat> excuse me, on a fluke, was released from prison one week prior to them killing every woman her age in her camp. On a fluke. The vision that had been given to her sister has been played out in the decades since. Through this one woman giving her life for the kingdom of God and his cause. Back to, if we knew for a fact that those people that we're friends with or in the family with or work with or live in the community with, that they were going to die, would we tell them about our Jesus? One night a pastor that I knew in Charleston had been out making some visits. And he said he was on his way home and the Spirit of God said, you're not done yet. And he was driving by a truck stop. Pulled in a truck stop, walked in. I'm telling you, this happens and it works, okay? So pay attention and don't think, oh, you're just a little weird. I'll be weird for this. He walks in, and he said the Spirit of God directed him to someone sitting in a booth. And he went back, introduced himself, and the guy was a truck driver from Florida. And this is here in South Carolina, back then Charleston. And he sat down with permission and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And the man had never accepted Christ. And that night, in that booth, in that truck stop in Charleston, South Carolina... He asked Christ to be his Savior. Two weeks later, this pastor gets a call. It's a woman. She introduces herself as the wife of the truck driver that he had led to Christ that night in the truck stop in Charleston. And she said, Pastor, I thought you wouldn't want to know 
that my husband never made it home. But he was killed in a car, in an accident in Georgia. In his possessions, when I finally was able to get those, was the New Testament you'd given him with your name and phone number in it. And where he had written in how he had accepted Christ. We don't know. We never know. That was a, someone he didn't even know as a stranger. And when Brent was up sharing the other week about prior to his accident, being afraid that people would be offended or put out or put off or whatever by sharing Christ, it has to be like this. Now, first of all, the song we sang a while ago says, the Lord leads me to them in love. It was something like that, wasn't it, Chris? Leads me to others in love. That's what we're talking about here. You're not going to them because you're going to beat them over the head with, you know, the possibility of hell. You're going to them in the love of Christ because you want them to know the Christ that you know. And because we do that, and it may be, as we've said on different occasions, and you've heard in different, from different speakers, I may be the one that plants the seed. You may be the one that waters it. You may be the one that cultivates it. And someone else may be the one that harvests it. It doesn't matter. It's in the kingdom of God. We do what he gives us to do. And watch what he does. But the end of it is that when he returns, however all this plays out, then we're glorified with him. Some of us get all hung up on, well, is it, you know, is it going to be rough for me? Really? We're talking about someone else's eternity. How does that even factor? So as we move from this and, and the fact that the Spirit of God leads us, we need to understand, first of all, as we, I know you've heard this Time after time after time, get into the word, but more importantly, get the word into you. It's, it's imperative for our world that those of us who know him are able to share that reality and to walk it out in such a way that God is glorified and God is honored. And we do that when we surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back. For all who are being led, being led, present tense. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So my question is not rhetorical. Are you a child of God? Because if you are, you're being led by his spirit. And if you're being led by his spirit, I can promise you there will be ample opportunity to share the reality of Christ with others. You'll be amazed at how easy it becomes 
but to share who he is to you with someone else. Now, we will back it up a little bit. Remember, our life needs to exemplify our words. If you're going to talk to talk, walk the walk. If you're not walking the walk, fall on your face before God. Ask his forgiveness. Repent. Turn away from that and turn back to him. We've been at this a long time, over 2,000 years. We should be much farther along than we are. And by the way, we would always say, well, the enemy opposes us. And you would be right. He does. He hates you. He hates me because he hates Christ. He hates family. That's why we do things like grace marriage. He's a hater. Well, interestingly enough, in the book of Romans which is the doctrinal book for the church. Satan is mentioned by Paul one time, and that's in the final chapter. Everything else is about the work of the Spirit, the provision of Christ, and how we live this life in faith, and how it all works out. So yeah, the enemy is opposing. He does. But let's understand That if we spend our time with the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, He ain't got a chance. He just doesn't. He's done anyway. Don't give Him any more opportunity. In fact, that's what it says in Ephesians. Don't open the door. Let Him in. Don't give Him an advantage. That's what it says in Ephesians 4. If you have opened the door and you let Him in, confess that you did, ask God to kick Him out, Close the door by the power of the Holy Spirit. Get on with life. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Because that is the way to true freedom. Is when he is in charge of me and I can say to him, you are the boss. You are the boss. What you're asking me to do is maybe a little different, but you're the boss. What you're asking me to stop might hurt my sensitive desires, but you're the boss. We're either going to be led by the Holy Spirit or by our emotions. And we get to make the choice. And we get to make those choices every day, day after day, day after day, day after day, day after day. It is those 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 little things, little decisions that we make along the way that we find ourselves growing and maturing because he who's faithful in little shall receive much. And like I said, sometimes when he's leading us, it doesn't make sense, or maybe we don't even want to do it. Sheila and I are newly married. We're living in Charleston. I'm in the military. You've heard this, but I think it needs to be repeated. 
And the Holy Spirit of God began to convict us that we were not giving to the church that we're a part of. Now, you have to understand, we're living, okay, it depends how you look at this. If I'm looking at it, I would say we were living in a trailer in a trailer park. Now, Sheila would say we were living in a mobile home in a really nice community. It's just how we look at it, okay? And we were part of Sizzle Square Baptist Church at that time was one of the, it was like First Baptist, Sizzle Square, downtown Charleston, money people, money, money. And the Holy Spirit of God shows up in our little mobile home and says, I want you to start giving 10% of your income. And those who know me, I'm not a great mathematician. The other day I was figuring something, I can't remember what it was. I was so far off, it wasn't even funny, but I can't do math. And so I sat down with my pencil and paper and I wrote out everything we would need to pay. And we were very frugal and how much I made. And I always came out of the negative, no matter what I did. And so for a week or two, we just kind of told the Holy Spirit, you ain't the boss of me. You ain't the boss of us. The wonderful thing is that he loved us so much, he wouldn't leave us alone. And after a couple of weeks, we decided that the next pay period, we would give, and we did. And the next pay period, we would give, and we did. And we were not only meeting our obligations, we were having a little bit of extra, unheard of before then. It made no sense. But we knew, even as young Christians, we knew it was the Spirit of God leading us to do that. I mean, you got to, it's kind of an easy one. Satan ain't going to show up and say, you know, you need to give 10% to the church. Or think about that. I've had people say, well, how do I know when it's the Spirit of God leading me to share the reality of Christ with somebody else? I'm thinking, okay, who else would do that? Really? I I love young Christians when they're discovering all this and and they're trying to figure it out. And and one guy, he just blessed my, my heart because he says he wanted to do it. But he said, I, I just don't know that God has me to, wants me to do that. And so we discussed it and come to find out he's got a guy who rides to work with him and back every day. I said, what do you talk about? And he starts telling me the things they talk about. I said, well, in those five days a week, in those times back and forth, has there ever been anything in you that said, I just need to tell him about my Jesus? He goes, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. I said, guess what? That is the Holy Spirit of God nudging you to do that. And to his credit, he did. We're not always guaranteed a result. But for those who were here when Sam Thomas was here to speak and he talked about his dad and his dad was led by the Spirit to have a crusade for, he needed 5,000 chairs and they did the, they did the meeting in the rain and they did it with 5,000 empty chairs. And eight years later, eight years later, Sam Thomas encounters a man 
who was standing under a tree listening to the message by his father, M.A. Thomas. And that man accepted Christ under that tree and went back and began to minister in his village and lead people to Christ. We don't always get to see the results. But we're, we're not doing it for the results. We're doing it because that's what his spirit is leading us to do. And it's always, listen carefully here, it is always, always, always done in love. Always. I get blown away sometimes when I'll be meeting with someone in ministry and 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 God will give me something to say. The Spirit of God will give me something to say. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, boy, that was really good. I wish I'd have thought of that. And that's how this works. But if we're so busy demanding that it be our way, or we're so busy requiring God, or we're trying to exp- or expecting God to do exactly what we want to do, we're trying to convince Him. I've done those sessions with God. They end poorly. But when we say, you know what, Holy Spirit? This verse in Romans 14 says that because I belong to God, you lead me. So thank you for leading me. And walk it out. Let's stand as we pray. And while you're standing, for those who are interested... Back on the back table is a sheet like this, and it has 50 things the Holy Spirit of God does. Now, that's not all of them, but that's 50 things the Holy Spirit of God does. The Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment, John 16, 8. The Spirit guides us into all truth, John 16, 13. The Spirit regenerates us, John 3, 5 through 8. The Spirit glorifies and testifies of Christ. John 15, 26. John 16, 4. The Spirit reveals Christ to us and to others. John 16, 14 through 15. The Spirit leads us. Romans 8, 14. The Spirit sanctifies us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. 1 Peter 1, 2. Romans 5, 16. The Spirit empowers us. Luke 4, 14, Romans 15, 9, the Spirit fills us. Remember we talked about it last week? Ask Him to fill you in anything and everything that He puts His finger on in your life and says, it's got to go, get rid of it. Don't hold on to the junk. The Spirit bears witness in us that we are the children of God, Romans 8, 16. If you're here today and the Spirit of God is not bearing witness to your spirit that you're a child of God, please do not leave this building today, not because I want you to be in fear, because I want somebody here to tell you about the Jesus that we know who loves us, and our prayer is the Holy Spirit is drawing you to him as we share that reality for your life. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for all that you have done in each of us and all that you are doing in us and the things that you're doing through us as we surrender completely and totally to you, Holy Spirit. 
that every detail of our life, we, we are free because we, we have this relationship with you. It's not based upon rules and regulations, but walking this out and seeing how you, Spirit of God, direct us and lead us and how we now have and can have and will have that kingdom mindset, that biblical worldview where we can see things through you and glorify your name. And Father, we are looking for today when you come back and we're glorified with you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank for every person here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for having your freedom in all of our lives. Lord, that's your word, that you fill every child of God. We claim that now. We proclaim that now. Every child of God, in the sound of my voice, be filled, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.